Hey everyone, this is Ash, and this is a special episode of Not Your Average Netizens. We are today focusing on the wonderful world of Korean cinema. And um, we're actually focusing on an interesting film in Korean cinema, more of an East meets West kind of blend. Um, it's the 2013 um, movie Snowpiercer, which was directed by Bong Joon-ho, um, who also directed The Host, um, to uh, much critical acclaim and is also getting a lot of good reviews for this movie as well. Um, this is his English language debut. 80% um, of the film was shot in English. Um, he does have two um, Korean actors and uh, primary roles, um, Song Kang-ho and... Um, let me see. <laughs> I actually don't have her name. Ah, Ko Asung. And, um, but uh, the majority of it is we've got Captain America, Chris Evans, uh, Billy Elliot, if anybody remembers that film, Jamie Bell, uh, Tilda Swinton, Octavia Spencer, real heavy hitters. Um, so, you know, this is you know, pretty big film. It's the most um, expensive Korean film to date. Um, and uh, it's recently, um, it's been out in limited distribution. Um, it's also been out in video on demand. And as of this first two weeks on VOD, it's made uh, about $3.8 million. Um, which um, is is expected to become uh, Weinstein's. They're the ones footing the bill for all this. Their highest grossing VOD release. So um, this is also being seen as a success for video on demand because people thought it wouldn't make so much money in theater. So they're like, we'll put it on video on demand, and people have been ordering it and have been watching it. So. Um, which is a great thing for Korean cinema um, and a great thing for Korean directors. Uh, Snowpiercer is a great film. Um, just to give you the rundown before we start, um, Snowpiercer is a post-apocalyptic science fiction film. It's directed by South Korean director Bong Joon-ho. Um, of course, as I said, he directed The Host, Mother, Memories of Murder, um, this is based on a French comic of the same name, and um, it's basically science fiction film. Near future, uh, humanity makes an attempt to combat global warming. Uh, it basically uh, basically fails, or it works, and then kind of doesn't, and it actually works too well, and kills nearly everyone on Earth. We have a new ice age. Um, and in 2031, the only place where humanity survives is on the Snowpiercer, which is a massive train which circles the globe, which runs on perpetual motion. Um, and it's, um, it's a really interesting film, and we're going to talk about it today. And I will introduce to you our group that will be discussing this film. We have Kiara. Hey, everyone. Shannon. Hey guys. 
<laughs> a little delay there. And as usual, Tim. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> I like how you shook that off. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Snowpiercer. Um, there is a lot going on here. Um, I just want to say that this is everything the day after tomorrow going to be in more. This was just beyond all of that. Um, uh, I mean, they're different. You can't well, compare they're different, them. But, you know, I, I can't help but kind of think of the whole global warming thing. And that's really the only movie that kind of like, comes to mind, sadly. But the um, global warming isn't really the point of Snowpiercer. It just well, yeah, facilitates the, the train, like, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a background you know, event that happens that kind of promotes everything. But... I'm a fan of dystopian movies and, you know, the whole, you know, last people on Earth type of thing. So anything where, where that happens, I love that. And I just, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that whole just kind of base, you know, idea. And um, I guess we'll start, um, you know, with Chris Evans has been making a lot of uh a lot of um, movement with being Captain America, but he plays a fairly uh, much different character um, in this movie. Um, how did you think of this, you know, guy that was rough and rugged and troubled and really screwed up? You know, do you think he did a good job with that? Anyone have any ideas? Have any um, opinions about Chris Evans? Funny enough, when I saw this movie, when, when I actually watched it, um, I, I still felt like this was Chris Evans being Captain America, except Captain Snowpiercer. Like he's, he's kind of he's kind of playing the same sort of role until until like his character really grows. Like when you really get to see the growth of his character. But at the beginning, like the first like hour and a half, he's basically Captain America, except Captain Snowpiercer. Um, but he proved. Uh, I have, like, an issue with Chris Evans. I don't actually think he's very good a lot of the time. I think he kind of just plays a really generic, like, funny guy. Like, funny, sort of. Um, Captain America, I guess, was kind of astray from his normal character. Like, it's very different from Human Torch. Um, but... I was shocked when he became famous because I still remember him from Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah, yeah, yes. right. That's, that's what I. <laughs> like, when I see Chris Evans, I see that movie every single time. Like I see him with the banana hanging out of his butt. Like I just can't take. I can't take him seriously. It took it took like two watchings of Captain America for me to be like, okay, he can be Captain America. It's fine. We're over it. Um, but no, I think this movie actually he got to show that he can play a dynamic character. Um, his growth through the movie, like, I, I was totally negative of him at the beginning because I thought it was kind of a boring character, and then as the movie progressed and you got to see more of it, um, it it's, re it's really telling of how far he's come from the days of Not Another Teen Movie. Like, yeah. And I definitely think, especially with that character, it's kind of deceiving because you're kind of meant to look at that character, oh, he's the rebellious one, he's leading right. the rebellion and the train, and then at, near the end, you he kind of breaks down and you hear all this backstory and you're just like, holy shit. And it makes you look at him completely differently. Um, 
Uh, as far as did anyone think that the movie? I thought it were it had very good pacing. Usually movies like this, I don't know, because I could feel in the beginning, I, like oh, I bet people would think we're going to be in the back part of the train too long, but. I thought it got started pretty quickly. I was kind of surprised. I was like, you know, we were, you know, you know, they they kind of gave just the base idea, you know, what happened. They didn't give too much backstory, you know. Okay, we, you know, we tried to counteract global warming, didn't quite work. Now we got an ice age. We gotta be on this train. Um, there's a bunch of people that are living in poverty and worse and and worse conditions in the back of this train, and they're doing a rebellion. Go, and it just kind of you know it doesn't really stop from there. Yeah, like to be honest, like if you hear the uh, premises of a movie being you know from them going to the back of a train to go to the front, you think like it, the pacing of it would be weird or like. Like they'll try, it'll be most of it being of them in the back, and then it's only until the end is when we get to the front. But the pacing was actually pretty good, and yeah. it, it didn't feel like almost like how long was it? Like two hours? Yeah, two hours? yeah, it didn't yeah, feel it like two hours at all. It didn't feel like two hours at all, so it was pretty good. I guess I'll play devil's advocate in saying <laughs> that I think it was paced really slowly. Um, yeah. I do think it was. Uh, I think it was needed, but I think it was needed to make you have these moments where you could suspend disbelief for some of the scenes that they require you to go through. Um, the first revolution moment where they get in that first fight, that scene requires so yeah, much suspension that's and disbelief. Yeah, a little like, long. When they, are you talking about when they first meet the guys with the, um, the axes and everything? And the axes. I was, yeah. I was waiting. I was like, okay, fight. I was like, okay, I right. get it. There's so many moments where they just kind of stand there and look at each other, and it's like... That seems it requires, so bizarre. <laughs> it requires so much suspension of disbelief to get through that moment, and that scene, that scene that requires the most suspension of disbelief dragged on longer than almost any other scene. The only other scene that bothers me as much is the the scene where the guy's shooting through the hole in the window trying to hit the other side of the train as they go around that corner. That's ridiculous. Like I can't I can't even describe how stupid that scene is. Well yeah, like, the guy was that, like all I could think of when like, I was watching that, that is that was like a dick measuring moment when they both shot at the glass and like aimed at each other's heads like yeah. if I wanted to I could kill you. I was like, dude, do we really gotta measure dicks halfway across the train in a desert that's so covered in snow that if you shoot through it you're gonna freeze to death. Like really? Yeah. Just exactly. drop your pants. Like then, do it that way. Yeah. Nobody dies that way. <laughs> I, I was just laughing at the I was laughing at the other soldiers. They were trying to put um to cover the small well, holes, the bullet holes. Like silly putty. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, you gotta close it. <laughs> And then that guy, that one guy doesn't care, and he's just sanding in front of the hole like it's no big deal. Like, yeah. why are you even bothering covering the holes? Clearly they have no effect. Like, it doesn't change anything. No one is screaming that it's too cold. Everybody's perfectly fine. Like, they're, my only complaint, I, I like Snowpiercer, I should say this from the start. My complaint is that it requires, like a lot of Asian films such an incredible amount of suspension of disbelief that I almost had a hard time getting through it. Like, there's no... The scene where they shoot at each other from across the train, there's no gravity that exists in the world. There's no bullet drop. 
Like, they're nearly spot on every single time, and they're shooting through this thick window into another thick window, and it still happens. And but but it's not too thick that it won't go through the back window. So it's like what what is going on? Like I don't understand. I will say though, I think as a science fiction film, <laughs> they pretty much you know they toe that line between you know having stuff that's pretty much impossible and ridiculous, and kind of balancing that out with you know great narrative and and everything else i mean as far as now i'm not saying that just asian films but science fiction films you see that a lot where things will just happen it's like no like it doesn't work that way but i don't know like there's no there's no attempt though that's my issue like even in even if you take like star trek for example right where they have the scene and you see the spaceship falling, and that scene takes so long for the crazy, um, I don't remember, the con ship, basically, to fall. The minute he hits the atmosphere, he burns up and starts falling faster, like, because of gravity. So, they didn't have to do that. They could have made us suspend disbelief, we're already in this, we're in space, like, that's fine. The problem with Snowpiercer is that it's set in a world still that exists on Earth. And we clearly couldn't leave Earth. We're stuck here. So gravity still is a thing, and it's just really cold outside. Like, that's the only change is that it's really cold Well, outside. and the thing, if you think about it, the train itself is an anomaly. I mean, the fact that it's able to to run like it is and, and right. it's built but the they, way it is. They go out of their way to try and explain how the machine works. So they give you that yeah. moment where they explain how the machine, how the train itself works. They don't explain how you can shoot through the windows. They don't explain <laughs> why there's a whole gang of dudes with axes just sitting in a room waiting for the, <laughs> the lower level dudes to try to get there, and why that fight scene is very organized like a football game. Like I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know. Maybe because it's grew, I grew up on Tremors, but I've just learned in a sci-fi <laughs> film, don't ask questions. It just makes it harder. But Tremors even explains why the creatures do the things they do. That's my point. Is like there's no, no explanation of why this can occur. I love Tremors. Yeah, you're, you're I love Tremors. Okay? You're thinking too hard. In a sci-fi film, you can't think because if you think, it just makes it hard to believe. You should be able. You just to have think to like turn your bit. brain off. Especially the, my issue is this movie. The point of it, the real point of it, is to make people think because it's not just like this movie that's a dystopian movie that you can just take and be like, okay, that was interesting. It is a it is a representation of what is wrong with uh, systems of organized systems of government and how the better it's supposed to show the better option and how you fix it. That is the point of this movie. So it is requiring you already to put thought into the things that are going on and understand what they represent. So you can't suspend your disbelief that easily because you're trying to figure out how this relates and how it correlates, at least if you want to take in the message that the director is trying to get across to you. Um, if you take it in as just like a movie, like, it's good. Like, I, the first time I watched it, I was like, all right, this is cool. But I wanted mm -hmm. to understand because I knew that there was more to it. It's not just like this film where this guy goes from the back of the train to the front of the train. That would be a really boring concept. <laughs> but there's more to it. It's supposed to be a representation of, of what's wrong with the system and how to fix it, which is my issue with the end of the movie um, when they decide the only way to fix everything is to just destroy everything. Like, that's not how you fix things. You just don't blow everything well, maybe up. Well, that's, maybe that's the director's 
maybe that's his personal view. Maybe he's right. like, the only way and you can, can do it is just start over. I mean, at that point, I was like, I was thinking before he, um, spoiler alert, before, um, we're talking about the movie. There can't be. It should be a spoiler well, alert. you know, people are sensitive about stuff like that. Just you know, just to say, we'll probably be talking about things out of order. But um, you know, before when they uh, blow up the plane, they they put in the um, you know bomb or whatever. Um, it's you know, it's you, after he's you know met the the guy that you know that lives at the very front of the train. He's designed this whole thing, and he's given him this huge villain speech, and it's just, you know, he's just at the very lowest point that his character could possibly be. And then you get at this point where, well, where it's, you know, what else can you do? You know, these people are living in hell, and so it's just like, blow it up and start over. We got two characters, we got um, a girl and a boy, we have the little boy, um, Octavia Spencer's boy, who we see in the beginning, and then um, don't see him again until the end. And Yona, um, who is one of the uh, two uh, major characters in the film, and two um, major Korean actors in the film. And they're left at the end, and we're kind of left to kind of ponder their fate. I mean, they see a polar bear. And they know that there's animals out there, but other than that, they don't really have much going there. Um, but to get away from the ending a little bit, how do you guys feel about the uh, Korean actors that were put in? Um, do you feel like they were integrated well with the American actors? Yeah, but, I mean, the movie couldn't progress without them. They, they were needed. They were the key to progressing the movie. So they got to play an important role. I think the guy got the more fun role as opposed to the girl who was just kind of like, I know things. Really? I loved Yona. I don't think she played bad. I think she got the, like, I think the dude's role was way more fun because he got to be funny and, like, quirky and stuff. And she was just kind of like, I'm here. I know things. Hey, don't open that door. It's going to be bad. I hey, bet she had some this. funny moments. Like she had she some, was... but not as much yeah. as that dude did. That dude had tons <laughs> of great moments. Like She was so cute with the worms, though, and she was like, freaking out. Yeah, yeah my I'm not saying part... she was a bad character or anything like that. I just, yeah. I my think favorite she, part yeah. was when they were going through that party train, the party uh, part of the train, and she mm -hmm. just grabbed a bottle of wine and was going to town on it and then just passed out. Like, she didn't even notice that her father got shot and that, like, you know, uh, Curtis, you know, they let him in the front of the train. She was just knocked out on the floor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I, do you think that it was important for um, Bong Joon-ho to have... Korean actors in the film when he has so many English actors? Um, I think I... it made the movie set, like, it set the movie apart from, like, a typical, just American, like, Western film. Um, I don't think the film would have been bad without them, uh, but I think it was more interesting um, to have them play an important role. Anyone else? I think it made. I think it would have made less sense if they didn't have 
uh, Korean or other foreign actors that didn't speak English. I mean, the whole point of this train is it's the very last train with the very last people, and it's supposed to be an eclectic mix. So I feel like just having that second language, I, I would have appreciated more, like a couple more languages, but having that second language made it easier for me to believe that this was, you know, a global train with, you know, eclectic mix of people rather than, hey, everyone just happens to speak English. Woohoo! Right. You know, like especially that first scene where they're like talking to him in English and he's just staring at them blankly, like you just grab the calm so I can figure out what you're trying to tell me. Like don't I, I don't right. speak English. And then <laughs> it, it um that it put that calm into existence, right? So you could believe that there's other people that maybe these characters we didn't get to talk to, we didn't see are they speak a different language and they use a comm to communicate with other people. Like, it's fine to believe that the main language is English if you have a comm system that allows everybody to or like understand in that, each other. that first scene where they're freezing that guy's off, arm off, they have, like, four different people behind her translating into different languages, and she's just like, stop it. I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have seven minutes, damn it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was glad that it was there to just kind of... Um, you know, just say, you know, yes, we have this kind of system for translating, but I'm also glad that they didn't keep it. I mean, whatever they were kind of trying to imply at the end, especially when um, uh, Curtis and um, uh, the other actor, Namgum, Minsu, Minsu are talking to each other, and they're not using any translation, but they know... In some sense, they know what the other is. Is um... they have the calm? They have the calm, and yeah, they have the calm. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Korean yeah. actor is holding the calm in his hand. It's just that they, we don't need really? the translation. I feel like there was like a long part where Chris Evans was talking and he was just like listening to him, and it was like he he still may not have understood everything he said, but he understood enough to know that he went through some messed up stuff when he's talking about eating people, eating. Babies, um, At all the of that end, stuff. he responds. The Korean actor responds to what Chris says. Yeah. And that's why he talks about blowing up the thing. So yeah. if you look in that scene, if you watch it, he's holding the calm like right next to him. So he oh, knows okay. what Chris Evans is saying because he has the calm. Oh, yeah, we okay. Don't hear, we don't hear the translation of it. Yeah, they only did the translation at the beginning and then they got rid of it. They didn't want to show you it anymore. Okay. Well, yeah, I can understand why that would be because that would be kind of annoying. But there were um, some scenes where, like, they would they were talking in Korean and they didn't have the thing with them, so you didn't unless you knew Korean, you really didn't know what they were saying. Right. Like, that scene where they were in the classroom and they're looking out the window and because they're, they're talking about, I forgot like Inuits or there were people outside of the train and they got oh yeah the, oh, the, the rebellion of seven escape. yeah yeah. Yeah, they were talking about in Korean, and but they didn't have the thing to translate it, so we didn't really hear. Uh, if you don't understand Korean, you didn't really know what the, who was saying to his daughter. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. He and Yona had um, quite a few like side conversations that, you know, obviously would have to be you know translated. You know, they weren't meant to be you know heard by the other characters or whatnot. But um, that's what reading is for. So, um, so we have, you know, we've got them as prominent characters, and he gets Minsu, you know, to, you know, open these doors so they can go through, and they offer him Chrono, which is 
uh, you know, some sort of, you know, drug that, or, you know, seemingly just a drug that he's addicted to as payment for that. And, you know, of course, we talked about the, um, the men with the axes um, and the fish. Does anyone have anything else to say? But I was surprised and then not surprised about the body count in this movie. At first, I was like, really? They're going to do that? And I was like, oh, well, I guess it's going to be that kind of movie. And I wasn't really expecting anybody to be alive by the end, except for maybe one or two people. Especially when Jamie Bell died. When he makes that decision, he looks between him and Tilda Swinton, and he's like, you know, do I get her? Do I save my friend? And then he's like, God make, you know, God make the decision, you know. Got to make the to hard choice. Make the hard choice, yeah. He and put his people that. before his friend is the yeah. important part, right? Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I kind of know where this is going. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, and Tilda Swinton, of course, I mean, for those of you, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I've seen her whole catalog of movies, but I know enough of her to know that she is exceptional actress and just I mean I don't even know how to feel about the character <laughs> her name is Mason in this movie I mean obviously she was deplorable but she's the she best was, character in that movie yeah and I was the surprised I was surprised they killed her off as early as they did I thought they might try to get more mileage out of her but it would have felt weird, I think, if they took her too far after the after she double-crossed them. There's no way. Like, they had to get rid of her at that point. Um, but I think that... I think, if nothing else, everybody who wants to watch this movie and is on the fence should watch her seven-minute speech. Like, oh my it God. is so beautiful. <laughs> that, it, that gives you everything you need to know about the movie in one scene. One flowing scene. Everything you need to know about the movie. It's that scene so was so good. disturbing. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's really hard to watch, but it explains... It gives you a perfect view of what the front of the train believes. It gives you that that inkling you need to understand that this movie is not just a movie. It is a it is symbolism for how governments work. And then it's so powerful in how she delivers it and how disgusting of a character that she is. Like, the role she's going to play is going to be the ultimate bad guy. Because until you see the guy who's actually running the train, she is the worst thing that happens in that movie. Absolutely the worst. The guy who chases them around and kills everybody, who cares about him? It is that girl who says the most deplorable things, and she puts the whole movie in perspective, like, don't forget, the front of the train really is messed up. Like, we really don't like you guys. I, like, I was in shock when I saw that scene, and I was like, I want to watch this whole movie, like, just for this <laughs> scene. I was kind of not feeling it. It was kind of, like, I was like, it was the beginning, so it I was, was like, uh. Yeah, yeah. But that scene... It is so it is so unsettling, and that is what made that movie. Mm. So, are you gonna say? Were you gonna say something, Shannon? That whole that ugh, when they stuck his arm out, and you just you 
used that whole seven minutes of yeah. delayed knowing exactly what was going to happen, and you're just sitting there being like, oh my god, can this just be over? Like, why is it, like, it, but it's necessary for it to be that long, because it just sits with you and makes you, like, on your seat unsettled, because you know exactly what's going to happen as soon as they pull his arm in, and, like, you just want it to be over, but you can't, just like those people in the back of the train, like, that's their lives, and, like, yeah. that scene, and that one, and the the scene where they all stopped fighting for Happy New Year. What the oh, fuck? yeah. <laughs> like, it's That's so bizarre, but it just. I don't know. I don't like that scene. I didn't like that scene at all. I like it's... weird stuff like that, like when that happens in movies like that, because it throws you out and it just shows you how completely insane things right? are. The, it just. It just. It, for me, it really made the film because it just shows you how disconnected that front of the train is from reality. Like, they're just about to slaughter all these people, and they go, oh, just give us a second, we're gonna celebrate the new year, and then we'll be right back to killing you. Like, that's that's fucked up. That you're like, oh, wait, one second, we're gonna have a little cheer. Alright, I'm gonna shoot I you in the head I would like now. that scene more if the rebels fought during it. That's what bothers me, is it's like, why would they stop? I wouldn't. I'd be like, oh, well, this is a really perfect moment. They could really fight, because, you know, this was during the part where they were running into those, like, Right, ice it was blocks. right before the ice things where you had to hold on or you were going to be tossed into someone's blade. Like, so there they was were kind no of trying to... Well, yeah, but they had like themselves. 10 seconds that they could at least start. Like, they, they just sat there for a while waiting for it to happen. And then after the ice part, then that girl does like a speech immediately after while they're waiting to go to the part where it gets dark. Why didn't they fight then? Like, why'd you let her talk? I don't... I just... That part... Requires so much suspension of disbelief, and like I like that they did it to show the disconnect. I get that. I just don't understand why the rebels let them do it. Like, it would have been different if they were like, "Hold on," and then he threw an axe and was like, "Ha ha!" Like, that would have made way more <laughs> well, sense. He didn't technically throw the axe at her when she was doing her speech. He, I oh he yeah, like I remember oh, they did right, try yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. He threw an axe. It just got. Speaking stopped. of disconnect. Creepiest scene in the movie, the kids' classroom, for me. That was. Oh. And the teacher. That was weird. That then... totally, I was totally, that took me back when they had the eggs, and I was like, where are they going with this, and the pregnant teacher, and then the machine guns come out, and I was just, yeah. The fact so, that they had a pregnant teacher that... Paul, like called up a machine gun. I was like, "Damn, this movie does not care." Like, not, I was like, "They're everything. not playing. They are really trying to make a statement here." So to kind of put this into some kind of context, so they've captured Tilda Swinton, um, whose character is Mason, um, who's kind of this evil, um, kind of a bad guy character. She's not the main bad guy, but she's you know is at that point to them. Because um, she's the only one that they see from the front of the train, and they're they've captured her and they're forcing her to take them through the rest of the train cars, and they get into the school car, which is where all these little kids are sat, and they're basically fed propaganda about Wilford and about you know how he made the train and how you know you must stay in the train if you go outside you're gonna die and how you know dirty and and disgusting the you know you know tail end people are in the back of the train and basically you know they have this whole weird thing where it's a callback to the beginning where this guy 
that played in uh, Boston Symphony Orchestra. Um, they ask a bunch of the um, people in the back of the train, they're like, has, has anyone ever played in an orchestra and knows how to play violin? And this guy's like, yeah, I was in the Boston Symphony Orchestra for so many years. And they were like, okay, you come with us. And it's kind of random. But then you see this guy come out, and, you know, they're like, you know, first we're going to have this guy play violin for us, and he's dressed nicely, and you, you know, saw him earlier in here, he's dirty, and he was, it was just so weird. Um, but he comes out, and he starts to play violin, and then this creepy bald dude comes out, he's got eggs, <laughs> and this, like, um, and this thing, and, and people are just taking eggs, and um, uh, Curtis, Chris Evans' character, Curtis takes one. Uh, they're hard-boiled eggs, I'm assuming, because he was able to open it up. And yeah, they're hard uh, they had these little... Um, and he's been finding these throughout the film, these little um, pill-shaped uh, metal things. Opens it up, and I forgot what it said. Blood. Uh, blood. Blood, okay. It said blood, and then all of a sudden, pregnant teacher, and she's, of course, you know, she's got blonde hair. She looks like Tracy Flick from Election. She's like Reese Witherspoon, like at her perkiest and most, like, just, you know, can't even stand her at that point. She whips out a machine gun and just starts blasting it around the room. The guy and with the bald guy starts, you know, shooting people, and it's just, it's really, I, it's one of those scenes, I'm, I, I just love stuff like that, because it's just, I love, like, mood whiplash like that, it is, it was just like, okay, this is insane. Did um, anyone else, like, have, a, you know, kind of a visceral reaction to that scene? I like that scene because it explains well that that scene does a lot of things right it shows that the youth is also victim of the system that they're in so the youth is being trained to continue the um cycle essentially right um which is like kind of the brainwash right but really what it is is they are a product of that environment the, the people that they live under believe in this wholeheartedly, so they are teaching their kids the same kind of thing. Um, so while to us, when we watch it, it's like, wow, that's brainwash. At the same time, it really if you really watch that scene, they're just talking about what happened. Like, that scene, this dude did make this train so that they could live and people probably thought he was dumb for it, for wanting to make a train that can cross the entire world, and it would take a year to do so. I can't, you know, you can totally believe people were probably like, that's, you're dumb. Like, that, that doesn't even make sense, right? <laughs> that's totally believable. But they never, and then they paint the back as gross and, like, the poor people, but that is what they are at the time, you know? To these upper-class guys, they're basically telling you, like, that's the lower class. They're, we rescued them. And by all accounts, they essentially did rescue them, just they make they paint the picture a little better, right? They paint it like they're not the bad guys, that they just rescued these lower-class citizens and let them on the train for free and all this stuff. Well, they did do that, but 
they weren't the nice guy about doing it. They don't tell you that they left them there to just eat each other and stuff. And you don't even get to know about that. You just know the conditions are bad back there. But then you find out it was even worse than that. So I don't know. Like that scene has so much in it. And then when you get the moment where they pull the guns out of the freaking egg baskets and the first person to shoot is a girl who's pregnant, I was just like, wow. Like there's this director does not care. Like, he has zero cares about what is okay. Like, he's just gonna, he's gonna go for it. I love that scene, but I don't know if that was the most moving scene for me. It was just really, it's really important. It's, like, one of the four key scenes for me. Like, I bet it's, it's one so of the good. ones the Weinsteins wanted to cut. Oh, probably. I, I have <laughs> no doubt. Uh, I bet they wanted to cut that, and they wanted to cut the seven-minute speech shorter. I, I have no doubt oh, about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Probably. Probably. What about you, Kiara, Shannon? Anything about that part of the movie or anything else around that area that kind of hit you? Well, before that scene, um, there was a scene where they go into like an aquarium-like place, and then the guy is making sushi, and it just felt kind of random. <laughs> to me, it weird, because they're just sitting there eating sushi, and it's just yeah. I felt like that was all set up though to have Tilda Swinton eat the protein blocks, which we found out disgustingly earlier. Actually, roaches. Um, so they basically take roaches and grind them up and make them into these, you know, protein jelly jelly things for the um, poor people to eat. And so, you know, she goes to eat some sushi, and Curtis is like, no, 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 no. He's like, you know, you try one of our stuff, and he's like, you know what's in it. And she she does this, like, it's oh, it's cute and, like, disgusting at the same time. It's, like, nibbling little, like, like, like squirrel, like, motion where she's, like, nibbling at the... <laughs> at the protein block. And um, it's like she doesn't want to eat it, but she's not going to... You know, starve. Yeah, or let him, you know, show him that she's, you know, she's gonna be defiant. But yeah, I felt like that that was kind of put there for that purpose. It's also kind of to pull you away from the scene you just went through, um, and it makes the, it makes the scene that you encounter after that like a lot more vicious. I feel because you have this moment where you're taken, you're taken back out, and you're taken to a part of the train that's very like tranquil like nothing bad happens there it's a nice part of the train that guy who's making the sushi he's totally innocent he just makes food like he probably doesn't get to say when he makes it he just is there to make sushi once a year you know and people come and eat it so it you have this moment where you realize that the train is separated and not everything about the train as you move through it is bad there's just like it's so it seems so weird because you just had this epic moment, this crazy battle, and they're finally like, "All right, let's continue on," and they continue on into an aquarium, and it's like, "What? Where? Why? Why is this aquarium here?" <laughs> so I, I mean, that scene I feel like uh, is just there, one to show you like the different, you know, show her suffer eating this food, but two to like make the upper part of the train feel even more surreal from the rest of it to show the disconnect between the upper class and the lower class. Like, the lower class can't even get to this section. The upper class can just walk down here and come enjoy this aquarium and eat sushi once a year. Like, and they're so close. You know, they're only separated by, like, at that point, you're, like, 
we only went through, what, five, six cars or something? Like, five, six yeah. doors? It, I mean, it didn't feel like you went, they went very far. So it was like, wow, it's so close to where the train is so bad, and yet it's just a nice place where the upper class goes and hangs out. Like, that was a great moment for the lower class because they were like, oh, my God, we've never had sushi before. This is amazing. We've been eating protein bars. And we've, we don't even remember what sushi tastes like. But for that girl, it was just like, oh, it's sushi time. Yeah. You know? Oh, I got to eat this protein <laughs> bar. That sucks. Yeah. Twice a year. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah. And then also when they were walking through some of the other upper class parts of the train, um, you know, you got to see um, the uh, indoor, like, gardening area, um, mm-hmm. you know, where they had the plants and and um, uh, Yona got to, you know, hold some dirt in her hand. And you got to see, you know, some people lounging around um, in this, like, 20s kind of decorum, kind of lounge place. They, these women were at a salon. And, um, but one thing I did notice was that even though, you know, of course, they're upper class and they had better... Um, amenities and everything else and it was something that Wilford kind of um, alluded to later they're still stuck on a train <laughs> yeah. and so you know you still kind of feel that you know crampedness and you imagine you know spending your entire life and that you know and that kind of just you know in that kind of condition um, it would kind of, you know, kind of explains why everyone really acts a little crazy because, <laughs> you know, and they're in, and it's kind of, you know, also kind of bolsters Wilford's whole, you know, keeping balance, you know, um, you know, you know, keeping, you know, pre- using uh, natural selection, kind of proactively instead of waiting for it to happen that sort of thing um, to try to try and survive because I mean really you know you know how would you be able to survive really on on, on a train I mean you know I mean he uses I mean when you hear about what Curtis said I mean after about a month they started eating each other they were eating babies um, you know it does put some things into perspective, especially when you find out that his friend Edgar, that uh, Curtis had left to die, had actually, Curtis, it's kind of hard to tell because I think Chris Evans is supposed to be playing a bit older than he is, (laughs) Um, but um, he had kidnapped an infant Edgar to eat him and killed his mother before um, Gilliam, uh, the old man at the back of the train, cut his arm off and offered it in Edgar's place. And, you know, that puts that whole relationship in a whole other other light. Um, and then you find out that um, Gilliam and Wilford have been in cahoots the entire time. Um, I mean, that whole series, I was kind of waiting, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of 
I like video games. I like I'm into like strong narr narratives and stuff. So I was like, okay, they're at the boss. Okay, they're at the big boss. So we're gonna get some revelations. He's gonna have his huge his huge you know villain speech, and he's gonna reveal some stuff. We're gonna find out some stuff because I was like, you know, curse is his son or something. And then when we find out that the whole thing is a is is a big, you know, you know, gambit by him and Killiam to basically keep natural order on the train. I mean, it was just kind of. I mean, I, I mean, it was. I felt like it was. It was a good reveal. Um, I mean, did you feel like it? That that. I mean, that whole kind of build up to him meeting Wilford and um oh and I wanna say just for the record, um I found that woman that wears that jacket, what's her name? Claude, yes. The one that you first see when they're taking the children and she holds that measuring tape. And then you see her again when she um lets Curtis in to the um front of the train. I found her super creepy. I found her creepier than Tilda Tilda Swinton. And, um, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> no, I was, like, really happy when Yona, like, hit her over the head with the wine bottle because I, I did not like her at all. Something no, about she, her. I mean, she was, was creepy, but I don't know if she was any... I don't think she was as creepy as Monroe to me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't no. know. I, I just... I just did not like her. She, she was, was very good. unlikable, but yeah. she definitely wasn't. I don't, there. I don't think if if you're a, if you can give a seven minute speech knowing exactly <laughs> what's going to happen and sit there with goggles and get excited to see it, there's nothing creepier than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like she was like salivating over knowing this man's arm was going to be smashed into living little icicle flesh bits. Like, ugh. Yeah, she <laughs> she she is the creepiest character in that movie. That's why she's my favorite character in the whole movie because she, she gets, is like. Night vision goggles so she can watch the slaughter. Like, ugh. yeah, she's she is the creature. She's like clapping away. Like, ugh. Yeah, yeah that was so kind good. of a, a. I thought that was just as a movie a movie watcher. I thought that was kind of neat where it went dark and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're in night vision and then we see how you know the um you know henchmen you know, they get the upper hand so much because they're in the dark and they're just, like, massacring, you know, the um, poor train people until they're able to, to get that... Bring the fire. fire. <laughs> Bring the fire in. And that's another call back to the matches from earlier and the little um, Asian boy who gets the matches and they, like, start bringing in the fire from the back like they're passing the um, Olympic the torch. torch. <laughs> and, you know, then they come in and yeah, but I I did like that scene. My only problem with the scene where they do the fire thing is it's not one torch; it becomes like a whole gang of torches without you ever seeing him oh, light yeah. anybody else's torches. That's not really explained. <laughs> yeah, it's just suddenly like this tiny match lit seventy torches, and I'm like, no. You Listen, have the I'm torch, sure though. somebody is a flamethrower in that. There's enough people. Apparently, <laughs> they yeah, found apparently. Some yeah, like he was walking by and they just swung gasoline across it and lit a bunch of sticks and we're like, go, just get out of here. 
that's, that's another suspension of disbelief moment that I, I wasn't a fan of, especially because the fighting kind of trickles down when they're like, the fire's coming, and everybody's like, okay, let's wait for the fire to appear. Like, why would you <laughs> wait? Just kill them. Just kill them all. One thing I, I have to say is that I didn't quite understand and I couldn't really get an answer with um, Minsu and Yona um, when they're first introduced and those um, little... I don't know if they're meant to be like, you know, cadaver holders or they're yeah. just like little compartments. But I, were they playing dead or they you know, because they, they kind of acted like they were unfamiliar with the back of the train. So I don't I know. I think they stash they, addicts there like like as a prison. You get stuck in there. And then when they got pulled out they were probably asleep. And it probably makes you sleep very deeply. I would think. Okay. Because if you, was, when they go through the scene where where they they're picking up all of that stuff, yeah, um, the chrono or whatever, when they're picking it up from that like chrono lounge, everybody's like half passed out. They're all super high and they're just like, I don't know what's going on. Uh. <laughs> so it makes sense for somebody to be addicted to be like even worse than that. So I think they were trying to show like this is what happens when you're fully addicted to it. You just like you hit it and you're just blah done. You know? Yeah. Thinking about though, I'm surprised that they would just stash them away as to just not kill them. You know. Um, that guy was really smart, so they probably wanted to have him in case they needed him. Oh yeah, because he didn't know how to use the door, so I'm thinking maybe he before he got all addicted, he was you know an engineer of some sort. Yeah, I think they said that he was like an engineer, or he helped with the train and stuff. I like think that. he made the the doors for the train. Like the locks oh, on the doors. Okay. I think they made the locks on all the doors on the train. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. He's kind so, of that. Like, it's weird because um, I don't know if like people, uh, I don't know if you guys know the term like uh, Deus Ex Machina that happens in movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like this unexplained thing that facilitates the story, but it's like super overpowered. Like, it's this weird thing that comes out, it's hardly explained, and then it's so integral to the whole movie. Like, um, one one thing they talk about is, like, the photon laser that's on the Starship Enterprise that they only use every once in a while, and it completely <laughs> decimates everything. And it's like, why don't you use that all the time? That's, I feel like Yona's, um, like, psychic kind of ability was that. It was just kind of brought up out of nowhere. Both of them are that. That is what they. That's the role they play because you make a good point. If they're if they are the ones that know the locks and they are so close to the rebels and they are addicted to Chrono and useless to you, why not kill them? Why yeah. does why not kill them? Right. Yeah. Um, at the same time, how did they know that? they would be able to handle that for them, you know, all this stuff. There's a lot. They're basically playing that role because she can see things happen that shouldn't happen, and this guy knows that there's a door at the very front of the train that they can blow up to try and get out. He also is aware somehow, and he's watched it every time, that this the fuselage on that plane is constantly being showed more, so he knows that the temperature is getting warmer out there. So he has like all the, they have all this knowledge with them, walking along with them, and there's no explanation as to why none of them ever get hurt. Like they just uh, somehow avoid 
really getting hurt until the very end of the movie, and it's like, well, how did how did this happen? I don't. Why did this Why did this occur? You know, why is it that this Asian girl gets to survive and nobody else does? You know, it's well, that that well, is what why does too. Timmy does too. Right. Why did Why did Why is it <laughs> one guy and one girl that make it that are perfectly uh, fine? They're not even cut. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean they're like they're by by Darwinism they shouldn't have been the ones that lived. It should have been Yeah, I was uh, surprised that they lived, all. period. I just thought they were gonna have like the destruction of the train, it was like everyone dies. I was well, fully, you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. I was fully expecting that. I was like, Well, I guess everyone dies. Um but it's too dark. Uh, we can't go there. <laughs> well, you know, this is VOD, so, you know, video on demand, so they can, you know, Weinstein's apparently thought a lot of this was too dark for mainstream to handle, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think beyond just that, it's the knowledge that it is a slight to capitalism that is what really made them hesitant, because they do want to show... Um, the idea of it, because the point is that the train itself is capitalism, or or any type of government that allows you to have an upper class, a middle class, and a lower class. Um, in this circumstance, it's kind of more like a monarchy, but it's supposed to be a little bit of both. It's kind of saying that, like, um, that the upper class still is a, above you, right? And the the reason that they compare it to capitalism is you have the moment where the guy has a talent. He has a skill that they require, so they let him go up, and he gets to move up in life, you know? And it's showing... But, but that's what a lot of people think that capitalism is. It's not about hard work, that it's about being lucky, being talented, right? Um, so that that's kind of the point. The train is supposed to be that. And these people, the back, the rebels are the lower class of society who are trying to instill change. The upper class doesn't want to change and has all the means to stop the change. But the guy in charge realizes that you need everything. You need the lower class to do the grunt work, to be the grunts. You need people in the upper class to understand that you're in control and not them. Like, you, you need to keep them calm. So... It's a really interesting, like, it's dark because it's showing you more than just this being effed up, but this being effed up as an example of how the world, a lot of places in the world are right now. Like, your upper class is so far above everything else that what is an issue doesn't even, like, it doesn't even, they can't comprehend that because it's not an issue for them. Like, they don't go days without eating or anything like that. They're not eating low-class food because they can't afford it. They don't. They, that's not a concept that they're even used to. So to them, it's not a big deal. They and a lot of people don't feel like uh, guilty about it or anything like that. Like it's just that's oh that's life. You know that's the cards that you've been dealt. We paid our dues to get here because all those guys at the front of the train had originally bought tickets on that train. That's why they got to be there. They paid their they paid their dues essentially. That's what that's supposed to be, to be in the class that they are at, and so they're content to just stay there and not deal with the issues. They can just pretend the issues don't exist. And the youth is growing up as like, oh yeah, the issue doesn't exist. There's no issue. It's perfectly fine. So, I think that was probably what really turned the Weinstein's off about like 
the idea of putting this movie out there because it does kind of show like the issue that people have with capitalism and um, like Marxism in general, like things like that. It's it's kind of a very it's very glorified. Like they're trying to make it look as bad as possible, but it's also like some of these issues are real. Some of these issues are things that we deal with. Any other um, any other points to add to that? Shannon, yeah. Kiara, mm. any yeah. points to add to that? <laughs> Tim said it all well. <laughs> I think Tim hit it right on the head. Like it's meant to make us think about our own system of governments, and it's obviously slightly over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that far off that it it doesn't sit with you and it doesn't make you uncomfortable. Like it's close enough that it hits the home that you go, "This is just like when that guy." what was it, last year said, well, if it's real rape, then the body will just shut it down. And, it, like, people like that exist. And it's 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 hard when you watch that film to not think about those kind of people. But, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so going to the, um, uh, where I was touching on a bit toward the end of the movie and when Curtis finally gets to Wilford and he finally gets to kind of confront him in a sense and then we find out that this has all just been a huge game to keep the ecosystem of the train in balance. So basically Curtis has just been playing into Wilford's plans. Um, You know he wanted him, he's been sending him these little messages um, you know, urging him on. He wants him to have revolutions. The revolutions essentially were all planned um, to basically, uh, you know, cut down the middle class so there's not too many people. Um, and he's completely straightforward about it. I mean, we talks about how Gilliam essentially failed his side of the bargain and had to be killed and you know, he's like, he was a great friend, but, you know, he had to go. I mean, he's completely just, you know, completely straightforward about it. and <laughs> has no remorse whatsoever. And, you know, basically, and he basically says, and then at the end, he basically, you know, does the whole thing with the hero where he's like, I want you to replace me because I'm getting old. You have all the qualities. He's basically saying, I, you have all the qualities that I have to be able to run this train. And he's like, oh, and by the way, you're um, having people execute all but 26% of the people in the back of the train. And you know what? That's a good thing because that'll keep this train continue running, which is what you're going to do. And you know that's you know what you call you know the you know hero blue screen of death the lowest point you know with it you know he you know he falls to his knees and it's just like what am I here for you know and he just kind of stares into the abyss and you know is just you know he's seriously thinking about you know taking him up on his offer because it's like you know what has been the whole point of him coming up there up to that point. Do you guys have any have any opinions about that? Mm. Or about Wilford in general? Um, 
I found something uh, interesting about uh, maybe not Wilford, <laughs> maybe Gilliam, Gilliam. I'm not sure how. He, does if does anyone remember how his name is specifically said? Oh, I I don't remember. Gilliam. Apparently, according to the director, um, he and the character that had all the words written on his body. Um, the one who killed the Asian conductor. <laughs> it was like die or surrender. <laughs> Apparently, they were in some sort of relationship. That guy um, is. That's the kid. That's actually the kid that was saved. Um, really? Yeah, it's not. It's not that... supposed to be his best friend. Let me. Let me oh, okay, okay. It's supposed to be that kid, and that's why that kid is so close to that uh, guy. Okay. Well, then that makes more sense. But I also, I didn't know that they, yeah, the guy that has all the words written on him, his name is Gray. And um, apparently he and, and, and uh, Gilliam have a, um, have a relationship of sorts. Um, that's not, you know, spelled out in the movie, but... Um, According to the director, that's the case. So, um, but how did people feel about the reveal at the end? Like just the whole thing, like Curtis's reveal about you know the cannibalism. I mean, it was a lot of stuff to kind of take in at one time. Um, I I think that this is like, uh, I, I this is one of the better. This is one of the big four scenes for me, right? This is the final one. Um, but you have this character that has remained unmoving in his his adventure to the front, and you finally get to see like why he's doing it, why he is so devoted to what he's doing. So you know that this is our like infallible hero. He believes in the thing that he's trying to do, and he wants to take down Wilford because he believes that he can fix things if he takes down Wilford, right? Like, that that's the issue. He is the big villain. Once you defeat the big villain, that's it. He's hes in this, like, um, the, like, glorified hero state that you get, right? I'll kill the big villain and everything will be fixed. That's how people think. Um, and then you come to this moment where you meet Wilford, and not only is Wilford, like, not just your average villain, he's not... He's very well-spoken. He explains why they're doing the things that they're doing in a very, very thought-out kind of way. Like, he's been waiting for this moment to talk to this guy and tell him all of this. He credits him on what he's accomplished, but he makes it clear that his accomplishment was in large part due to him. You know, and then he gives it away that he's the guy who helped him, who gave him all those tips and encouraged him to make this big revolution, and he's impressed that he was able to come this far. Because he wants this guy, he wants to turn the guy who can control the train. Because to play Wilford's role, you can't just be a bad guy. You have to be a bad guy who understands the reason that you have to do these bad things. Like, they want you, for a moment, to feel like you can understand why you have to continue to facilitate this bad thing. Like, sure, it's bad, but everybody gets to live, or the majority of people get to live. Humanity gets to continue on and work 
because we have to make these people pay the price, right? And as long as they don't know they have to pay the price, it's okay. Like, it's such a crazy moment because you see him want to turn. You see him be like, wow, to keep all these people alive, to keep the rest of the back of the train alive, I have to do this. Like, I'm here to fight for these people. If I take this guy down, I can't do it anymore. I can't fight for these people. Um... So that moment and getting to watch him really turn and getting to watch him have a moment to himself to really, really reflect on what he's done, what he's accomplished, so good. Like, such a good moment. And then you have, like, the realization that something even worse is going on because they finally explain to you what happened to all these kids. Yeah. And you see the kid in the bottom, like, working on the parts and keeping the, the engine running well. And their explanation is, oh, we've come to the point where this part doesn't exist anymore, so we have to get somebody to do it, and the only people that can pay the price is the youth. So they're showing you that the real victims of this system isn't just the people who are directly affected, but also the youth that is growing up in it, because they are just mind... They're, they're brainwashed to believe that they have a role to play and that they can never accomplish anything, you know? You have this kid who's just going to pull this stuff out of the train until he's probably old enough or he can't do it anymore or he dies. Like, that's his role. And then the other kid goes inside of the machine and probably can never come back out. So he's probably playing the role of somebody who's just going to give themselves to the train to make sure that it runs. And both of them are like zombies when they do it. Like, they just believe that they have to do it at that point. Um, so it's such a weird, like, it's such a moving moment. And it gives you that moment where you're like, oh, well, let's just bring the whole thing down. Like, that's the only reason I got behind the idea of, like, ah, just just blow it all up. Forget it. Let's yeah. just get rid of it. Yeah, because at that point, it's like, is there's nothing to save. I mean, this whole thing is just, you know. Prolonging the in, in, in that, how do you say it? I can, prolonging what, yeah, prolonging that. Mm. Like, Oh, what were you going to say, Kiara? Oh, no. Uh, Tim said it for me because I couldn't say the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a big reveal for me was because uh, I did, had no idea what Yona was doing at that moment when she took the fork and was like, you know, pulling at the tile on the floor. And I was like, what is she doing? And then I, you know, saw Timmy and I was like, oh, you know, they're putting them. And they actually putting kids inside of the train to keep it running. And, yeah. you know, at that point, it's like after Wilfred's whole evil villain speech, it's like you're not even surprised that he would sink to that kind of level. Yeah. Well, to be honest, before they revealed that Timmy was, like, doing like doing what he was doing, I thought he was eating the children. Yeah, because I remember <laughs> them saying really? that he loves too. children. Yeah, and I was like, what is he doing to these children that he loves them so much? Like, that's really disturbing. Because I'm pretty sure me, at this point, is like non, not as, you know, kind of non-existence. So I'm like, are they, is he eating the children? Like, because he's sitting there eating, like, meat. So I'm thinking, is he eating to me right now? (laughs) 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 That's what I thought. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, I never thought that, but that is something that, 
kind of hangs over your head the entire movie is like, where are the children? Like, where did they take them? So That was my first thought. I was like, oh my god, he's eating a kid right now. <laughs> like, oh no, like, I can't deal with that. Right, that's, that's what I thought when they open the door and I don't see any kids and he's eating meat. And I'm like, oh god, they meant he actually <laughs> likes to eat children. He's like, no. he really likes children. I was like, oh. He really does like children. Times more disturbing. <laughs> no. He's gonna oh. get like the vet, uh, the the baby cow meat veal. He's gonna give like the veal speech about children. It's like, oh, oh god. Oh, no. <laughs> oh what what is that? Oh, the name of that book. Um, a modest proposal. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, everyone's favorite book about baby meat. They already go in, in which they already go into great detail about before that happens. So I could see why you would expect that. Um. So how do we feel about the ending? Um, I had a feeling it was going to be one of those, you know, non-conclusive type of endings. But, of course, you know, it's one of those, you know, we have one last female, one last male, Siona and little Timmy, and they've, you know, got the, the furs on, and we don't see anyone else, so we don't know. Everyone could have died. There may be some survivors, we don't know. But, you know, the whole thing is that we do see the polar bear, which is, I guess, supposed to symbolize that, yes, there's life out here, stuff can survive, so they can survive or get eaten by the polar bear. Nah, those children are dead. (laughs) 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 Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, expand more on that, Shannon. Huh? You want to expand more on that, (laughs) You know, there's no way. I mean, those kids have never lived outside. Those children have never seen outside life outside of a train. And I'm, I can't believe that if they kid didn't even know what. I mean, it was adorable, but she didn't even know what dirt was. She tried to eat it. And I'm expected to believe that these children are going to survive in the wilderness. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I don't know. The, my biggest issue, um, just to. to this part of the movie is my least favorite. The end of this movie is ridiculous for the thing that they're trying, the point they're trying to make. Like, I get it, right? They're trying to say that if you can't fix it, just burn it all. That's not the reality that human beings (laughs) live in. That's not the world we live in. He is at the front of this train. He has control of the train. Why not kill the two people that are important to kill and close the door and wait for the stupid mob to go away? They'll they'll leave. They'll go away. It's fine. <laughs> Instead, the logical plan is let's blow the whole train up and hope that some people survive or maybe we'll all die. Who cares? Like that's not how you fix broken things. You don't blow them up. That that concept is so ridiculous. Like Oh, I was so furious when I saw it. And then it's like, this girl who tried to eat dirt and this guy who just got done, this little kid who just got done pulling, like, oil out of a, a freaking engine. And you think, he's prepared. Also, he comes out of this train completely dressed after a giant accident. How? He's not even hurt. And he was, like, half naked before this moment. He had, like, a little loincloth on, and suddenly he's completely dressed and ready. <laughs> and all of the clothes fit. That. Like, Maybe that was yeah. A cloth I was like suit. that jacket Maybe had clothing underneath nice. like a skin suit. Yeah, the jacket that she picked up was from like an adult. It was like yeah, some person that was chilling. Yeah, it was her and, and Minsu. Yeah, we're both wearing the jackets. There was no baby, like little boy jacket. 
it's it's real like I don't I don't know if maybe the plan was like oh maybe more people survive maybe more people are gonna walk out of the train the train but you don't get that when you see it it's just these two and they see a polar bear and maybe they're gonna live that polar bear's gonna eat them that's immediately <laughs> yeah, what it's I thought. like they're gonna yum get yum eaten. dinner up. Yeah, like that polar bear's like, I wonder how long it would take me to get here. One minute, (laughs) put him in the microwave. (laughs) Done. It's just, I don't like that scene. I don't like how they ended it. Like, they had such a good movie, and I think they they really ruined it by doing that. Yeah, I feel like I I understood what they were trying to say, but I felt like they could have said it in a better way. It just... It just lost the impact, uh, like you said, because of the fact that the the two characters that we have that have the least, and I can maybe see them thinking, oh, we'll get the two most uh, quote unquote innocent characters, you know, and they'll be out in the wilderness and they'll survive. But then it's like when you think about it, it's like, well, they don't really have much of a chance. They've never actually lived in. So you the know what happens to innocent before. people when they wander into the woods? Exposure. <laughs> What'd you say? You know what happens when innocent people wander into the woods here? Exposure. They die. <laughs> I was I was waiting for Minsu to like crawl out of somewhere or something, you know. Hopefully, you know, maybe you know. I mean, it's all all left up to speculation. So maybe, hopefully, some adult or somebody survives somewhere. If they were able to survive that huge explosion, somebody was able to survive something. There's, I, I don't know. I I don't think that that's like the scene, what they tried to get across with the scene either. And that's what bothers me. It's like, why why not at least try to get that across to me? Like. Maybe somebody could have lived. No, it's just like, oh. Yeah, like, I, I look at that and I think, okay, when they have, you know, a girl and the guy left and they're like, okay, we're going to go off into the wilderness and we're going to make a new world with the both of us. And it's like, you, you can't see that at the end because neither of those characters are have the ability to, to do that. You can't see either of them being able to do that. Or having the you know knowledge or ability to do so, so it's like, all right, <laughs> you saw polar bears inbreeding down the road, right? Again, <laughs> like when you have these, like, yeah, like you gotta have is. that third person, you know, yeah, mix you it up every once in a while, <laughs> have some genetic material going on. Otherwise, it's gonna end up like Bitterford, Maine. Everybody's related <laughs> to everybody, and it's just <laughs> awful. <laughs> Well, I wish I, mean, I was joking, know, but that's what he's tries to do. I think, you know, everyone does the, the girl, the guy thing, especially in these kind of movies because, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, and that was all technically, you know, if you, you follow that whole thing, that was inbreeding. I mean, you know, that's how they got all their children and the children's children and their cousins. And, I mean, that was the only way people were able to proliferate. So, I'm not... How'd that work out for Eve? (laughs) (laughs) You know, how'd that work out for Cain and Abel? Yeah, not good. Um, But... At least Adam got two wives. You know. (laughs) Oh, okay. I forgot about the other wife. Hmm. Well... um... (laughs) But she didn't last very long because she had her own brain. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so for me, it just... 
th- those two characters, I just couldn't buy that ending with them. Like, symbolically, I see what they were going for. And, you know, superficially, okay, you know, it, it makes my heart sing a little bit. But when you think about it, it's like, they're doomed. <laughs> so, it's actually kind of a downer ending, if you think about it. You sit down and think about it for a second. <laughs> um... But uh, start singing. What would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> oh no! Or um, you know, remember those old uh, Coca-Cola commercials with the polar bears? With the polar bears, yeah. yeah. Instead of Coca-Cola, it's going to be young child blood. There anywhere, but I just. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm going to hell. <laughs> wow. It's true, it just being a darker bottle with red instead of the other way around. It works. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh I okay. thought I was going to hell, but thank you for making me feel like I won't be. You're welcome. <laughs> I would make anybody feel like a better human being. <laughs> okay, so um, since Tim is, has is, like explained a lot about his opinions, um, I guess just overall since we've already gotten to the end of the movie, um, uh, Shannon, Kiara, what were your feelings on the movie um, as a whole? Um, and um, I guess as as far as it being... Did it, if you saw this movie and didn't know that it was done by a Korean director, you know, would, would that change anything? You know... I don't think it would change anything. Like, I feel like overall this movie was done really well. It it unnerved me, um, which I think it was meant to do. It was meant to make me think and, and to feel awkward about just how we live as a society and make me really think about that. Uh, my only real problem was sometimes it was a little bit too jarring. Like, it would just go too far to the extremes that it would, like, take me out of the entire film. Like, mm. all of a sudden there'd be, like, this really gory scene, and then they're like, Surprise! Happy New Year! And then, like, I know why they did it, but I felt like it was just a little bit too much, and I can't do with the ending. But then again, there are a ton of amazing movies, and this have crappy endings. So I think overall, it's a really good film, and it really makes you think, and it really makes you, it draws you in when you don't think that you're going to be drawn into a movie. Like, if you look at the premise, it's a train that circles the earth, and someone's going to go from the front to the back. You know, not all that exciting. And then you start hey, watching the movie. that was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Shannon, what about, um, who is your favorite character and who is your least favorite character? I have to say, I think my least favorite character um, was probably his best friend. Um, he just was a little bit, I mean, I understand, like, that he was supposed to be the gung-ho, let's do it, let's do it now, and not have, like, that rational wait until the best opportunity. But I feel like he could have been more character development. Uh, He was, I mean, I just assumed, and he ended up being right, that he was going to be the best friend that dies. Like, that was his sole purpose, was to be that kind of turning moment for the lead character. And I feel like he could have had had more that he could have offered the film, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think my favorite character was Monroe because she was just creepy to like a whole other extent. Like everything that came out of her mouth made my toes curl. I was just, just <laughs> ugh. 
but she was just done so perfectly, and she kind of reminded me of um, just the way she was styled. What was her name from the Hunger Games? Um, oh, um, uh, the Effie. Effie. She yes. reminded me of like a really creepy Effie. And, yeah, and like it, completely Effie, because Effie is not that bad. Yeah, she's just Effie's not dumb. not bad, but I mean, she has that kind of like doesn't understand what's going on in the real world. But she was, like, knew what was happening and was completely, like, just she would salivate over the death of these people and that just freaks out. So it was just so well acted. Uh, yeah. Mm. One for Tilda Swinton. Um, <laughs> uh, Kiara, what about you? you have any kind of conclusive thoughts about the movie? Anything that kind of struck you? Um, anything that struck you about it being about its westernness or its Koreanness or anything like that. Um. Well, all in all, I enjoy the movie. Um. It didn't feel well. It didn't feel long, but then there were certain scenes that were stretched more than they should have been. Um. You know, as we spoke earlier about when they were shooting each other from one train car to the other train car. But I think all in all, the movie's good. Um, and to, for me, I, the ending wasn't a complete disappointment. It was stretching it a bit, but um, I, it was more like the polar bear represents that there's life outside of the train. So survival is, is possible because they were saying how the snow is melting. So, you know, life is not possible outside of the train, but... They could have showed a bit more survivors for it to feel more real. Yeah, Because yeah. they're showing uh, Yona and Timmy was just like, well, if they're the only real humans out there, like, how's that going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, who is your uh, uh, most favorite and least favorite character? Um, well, favorite character... I guess I'm going to go with Shannon on this and Tilda Sweden. Swinton, yeah, her. I think because she played her role really well because even though she wasn't the main big evil person, her role felt more like you saw more of her and just how... Oh, yeah, she, because, chewed, she chewed that scenery to pieces, yes. Yeah, like she was like... Because you just see how, like, being on this chain for 18 years has made her become this type of person. And when she truly believes that, you know, this guy, he's our savior and he's and he's just and good and everything we do is be, is for the good of everyone on the chain. And, and seeing someone kind of twisted that way and to making sure their thought process is the right one, it's kind of creepy and kind of like, oh, my God. But, yeah, I thought she did that role really well. Did you have a least favorite character? Least favorite character would be the lady who would take the children because she's just plain bad. <laughs> 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 and so she was just, I, was, I was okay with her getting smashed over the head and not surviving. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I didn't like her either. Woo. And for that lady... Claude or whatever her name is. One for okay. the kids. <laughs> the what? The kids? Yeah, one for the kids. No oh, more yeah, one for the kids. <laughs> yeah. For the children. 
Okay, Tim. Tim polar bear snack soon. Um, any final <laughs> thoughts and favorite and least favorite character? Uh, no, I I like like I have a lot of um griefs with the movie, and it's not because I think the movie's bad. It's only because I I really like the idea of the movie, and I. I always am the kind of person who's like, they could have done this just a little bit better, but I enjoyed it. Like, I loved watching it, but if I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about what I think could have been better. Um, but, I and oh, like, overall, I really like the movie. I like the idea. I really like the imagery, um, even with the extreme suspension of disbelief that's required to truly enjoy the movie. I think that it's still a movie everyone should watch. Like, if nothing else, so you can see what this guy is trying to show you. Um, for favorite character, it's like, it's obviously Mason, uh, Tilda mm-hmm. Swinton or whatever. Like, she she's the best character in that whole movie. I mean, I didn't need Wilford to be alive. For a minute, I was like, maybe he's not real. Like, maybe he doesn't exist anymore. It's just <laughs> this girl. She's so good. Like, she completely... She's my favorite. There's no competition. That movie would have been not as polarizing if it wasn't for her roles in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite is... Uh, I don't know if I really have a least favorite. Honestly, like I, I like... I feel like all the characters played their role, you know? I mean, I guess the guy's best friend is kind of... Uh, his character didn't get really fleshed out, but I think that's kind of the point. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I probably don't really have one. Uh, but if I had to give it to somebody, I'd give it to that guy's best friend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, this is definitely a movie that um, is kind of a science fiction movie junkie. Not on the Star Trek side, but more on the Blade Runner side of things. Um, I really enjoyed it. And... Um, like I said, I saw a lot of the same problems uh, Tim did, but um, for you know the movie experience and you know for that one and a half two hours that you suspend your disbelief and kind of get into the story, um, I think that you know it does a really good job. Bong Joon Ho for his first you know English film. Um, I hope he, you know, decides to go ahead and do more or do more kind of hybrid films, um, maybe like this where they're kind of, uh, you know, it's maybe mostly English to try and, you know, bring in the backers and 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 everything, and then have some Korean characters. Um, I don't know if that'll be, you know, something that'll be done more in the future, but. Um, I don't know. Did anybody feel like this was? Has anyone seen any of um, Bong Joon Ho's films prior to this? I saw the host. Saw the host. Did you see any similarities or anything that reminded you? Anything? Um, the pacing. That's basically it. I don't like uh-huh. the host. I think the host is really not a good movie at all. Uh, I, think it, okay. I think it gets a lot of love for just being a monster movie, but I don't think it was executed uh, well. Okay. So, I okay. think the best thing that happened with the host was Epic High making a video parody <laughs> of the host for a music video. So. Okay. No K-pop today. No. Yeah. Well, Epic Hop. Epic High doesn't kind of doesn't count. But yeah. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is. I was just when I first heard about Snow Piercer, I was really excited because I just thought it was, you know, really great to kind of, you know, it's really good whenever you have different people directing and producing because you just you get to have different, um, uh, different viewpoints, different um, creative directions to go with things. Um, you know, I think with a film like this, if it was mainstream, I feel like. I don't know. I feel like certain few things would be different. I think the the ending would be different. Um, you know, obviously the wine scenes are proof of that because they were trying to change it. Um, but yeah, I think you know this is obviously doing pretty well for itself. It's making pretty good amount of money, um, mostly due to video on demand. But however, you got to do it. You know, I think video on demand probably will be the feature anyway. You know, I don't see people paying $13 for a movie ticket for much longer. Um, but, um, you know, I hope that, you know, he'll, you know, make, uh, you know, more kind of blended movies like this where we can, you know, see, you know, a greater diversity in um, directors and producers and actors. This film was also very diverse acting-wise. Um, you know, Octavia Spencer is not someone that gets a lot of prominent roles in um, American films or gets a lot of good meaty roles in American films. So it was nice to see her in this film as well. Um, so I think uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty decent consensus that you should see this film. Video on demand, see it. Um, if uh, there's a theater near you that's playing it, um, just try and uh, if you ever get the opportunity, um, make it uh, make a chance to see it. Um, especially if you love sci-fi and action, it's very good. Uh, very good. If you like Captain America, like Chris Evans, uh, he's a little grittier in this one, but uh, he's still got you know. The rugged, handsome thing going. So um, you still got your eye candy there. Um, let us know what you think about us um, covering uh, Korean movies. Um, I don't know. I felt like this was a pretty entertaining discussion, and you know, I would like to do more. I was thinking of the host, but since Tim has already seen that and does not like it, then maybe. Maybe it'll be uh, the green. I can watch it again. Maybe I'll like it. <laughs> Let's just do yeah. a happy one where people's arms don't get put into like human popsicles. With <laughs> something, something happier next time, perhaps sunny, or maybe something with know. cats. I like cats. Cats make everything better. <laughs> I like cats. <laughs> something with cats in it. Okay. Um, yeah, they're but cute, they're um, fluffy. They do stupid things. Everyone loves cats. Cats don't make icicles out of people's arms. It's true. They they don't do that. I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. At least no cat I ever saw did it. I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say no cat's ever done that. I've had a couple try and kill me, but never like oh. that. I've never had any try to kill me either. I don't know. You. Well, I don't think she's trying to kill me. She just did like flying ninja leap and ended up landing on me. Oh, okay, okay. It's her own fault then. I know. Yeah, I know. I was sitting on a bed. My bad. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Beds are dangerous. I'm sorry. Cats are evil, man. <gasps> Your eyes glow in the dark. No. 
cats are saviors and saints, and if you don't worship cats, you end up in hell. That is the only one in true religion. I, th- I think you're going a little too far now. Uh, <laughs> I don't even like cats, but I don't. I'm not afraid I'm gonna die if I don't like them. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan either. So. Just wait until some cat drops like a dead finger on your doorstep, and you will know that you have gone too far, my friend. Oh, man. I feel like I'm going to be like Sailor Moon and like run into a cat with like a crescent moon on its forehead and be like, damn it, I should have been nicer to cats. <laughs> Destiny. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the new Sailor Moon, by the way. So oh, God, just, it's so just, awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never saw the... I never watched the first one. I was... What? I knew of its, its existence, but I was more of a Looney Tunes kind of kid, so the anime was a little too weird for me at the time, but I knew of its existence. I knew the theme song by heart. It's all right. You so, didn't miss much, because four kids got a handle on it, <laughs> and it just... It was bad. Yeah, I heard awesome. there's a lot of... Original, but yeah... Yeah, uh-huh. weird stuff. So I'm taking the time to watch the redo, and it's it's pretty entertaining. So I, I miss the English theme song, but um, I always sing it in my head whenever I see Sailor Moon. So that, and you should watch Puppy Cat because that's also awesome. Oh my God, you and the cats. Okay, <laughs> so it's a dog. Okay, it's a puppy cat. If you have anything to, um, any comments about cats or Shannon's obsession with cats or Snowpiercer or having suggestions, um, actually, by the way, about any Korean movies that we should cover in the future, um, please um, feel free to contact us at our Gmail, notyouraveragenetizens at gmail.com. Also, our Tumblr, notyouraveragenetizens at dot uh, tumblr dot com. We're also on Facebook, at not your average netizens. Um, you can find all of our um, shows uh, up to the present, downloaded at SoundCloud, and um, also um, one of our um, other um, podcasters, Sade, was not able to be with us today, but she wrote a really uh, great uh, review um, analysis of Snowpiercer. Um, on her personal Tumblr account, and um, that will be linked to on our Tumblr and our um, Twitter, um, which is NYA Netizens. So um, make sure you go there. We're also on iTunes and Not Your Netiz- um Not Your Average Netizens. So um, be sure to leave comments. Um, leave uh, ratings, um, yeah, just leave stuff so that we look like we're um, doing something. But um, uh, thank you to everyone that listened to our last podcast um, on uh, Red Velvet and other things. Uh, that was really fun to do, and um, we'll try to do do more. It's more, more and more people, um, you know, start to listen. And... Um, I think that's all I have to say. Does anyone else have any final thoughts? No, I'm good. No, I'm <laughs> good. All right. Awesome. Well, it's hump day. And, yeah, well, where I'm at. <laughs> it's Wednesday. And it's Wednesday night. So um, I'm going to sign off. And thank you guys for listening. It was fun. Snowpiercer was a great movie. 
Um, maybe at some point we can all watch one together. I don't know how we'll do that, but I don't know. I'm sure it's 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 possible somehow. Yeah, they have like that thingy where you can put and have everyone screen show the same thing. We did it once for oh the yeah music yeah we video. did we did we did twenty one yeah 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 so try and do that uh, um not your average netizens screening or something cat okay. videos. Okay. <laughs> and cat, cat videos of, of cats, quote unquote, playing the piano, not like their owner has got fake cat arms. Being anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, thanks for listening to us. Um, it's been great. This is Ash, Kiara, and Shannon. And I said, yeah. I said Tim already, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I said it. <laughs> I said We're all here. We're here. We're here. <laughs> They're all here. So thanks for listening to us. And yeah, we will see you again next time. Bye. Bye. See ya. Adios. Be nice to cats. <laughs> <laughs>